This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Hey friends, everybody doing good? All right, first of all, just looking around the room, it's packed again. Um, A few months ago, we opened our downtown campus. I'm just fresh back from there, and newsflash, it was packed there too. So um, just to know, when we get to these spaces, we're not unaware of it. We're super thankful that you're willing to deal with maybe sitting next to somebody you don't know. We're going to have fun with that today. I'm excited about what God's doing in our church. This week, we have a whole team leaving to go out of the country to Honduras, and they're going to be at our care point in Tegucigalpa. If you're familiar with our church, you know one of our big missions endeavors is to work with kids in developing nations, and we have a care point in a little community called Nueva Suapa where we feed right about 200 kids every single day. In this little community, the average household income is $2,000 a year, $2,000 a year. It's not uncommon as you walk through the community to see a family that has not eaten for a couple days because they couldn't find food or afford food. And so in that community, being able to feed the kids, make sure that they're getting one very nutrient-rich meal every day, it's so very, very important. And we're able to do that because of your giving. Excited about our team. We're actually in the middle of a renovation. We have a church that meets there and We're adding a second story, adding some resources that we can be able to better serve that community. We're also in the middle of 21 days of prayer. So let me just say in along along that idea, please be in prayer for that team as they're gone. They leave Tuesday. They'll be back the following Monday. Pray that God uses them and that God does something in their lives. Now with 21 days of prayer, we like to start the year by seeking God. You're really setting aside a part of the beginning of the year to say, God, we're just going to be real intentional about going after you. We're going to go after you. And last week I invited you to start by praying through your relationship with God. Today, we're going to shift that focus for week two to praying through our relationship with others praying through our relationship with other people. And I'm going to give you today, if you don't, uh, you're not doing social media, take a, just a little quick snap of this graphic as it comes up. I'm going to give you prompts for every day of the week, just a theme and kind of provoke different prayers throughout the week, starting with Monday. Let's ask God to help restore broken relationships. Every person in this room has some relationships that have been strained. And I'm, I'm just going to invite you to go to God and say, God, would you bring some healing to those relationships? Number two, God, help me to forgive other people. And, and invariably within relationships, because we are sinners, there will be sin and that leads to hurt. It can lead to offense. We don't want offense. That begins to damage our hearts. Okay, so we need to learn how to forgive. And so pray through forgiving other people. Wednesday, ask God to help you be a better friend. I can just imagine that there was somebody that heard that and said, a better friend? There can't be a better friend than me. Okay, I can imagine somebody would think that. But please listen, I don't care how gifted or good you are at something, we can always be better. Right, So we want to ask God, God, would you help me be a better friend? Why is that? Because friendship is the foundation for every other relationship. God, help me to be a better friend. And then Thursday, 
Invite God to correct your attitude. Anybody in here ever need an attitude adjustment? Boy, I do every once in a while. But here's what I want you to pray. God, would you correct my attitude about others? What's invariable for many of us is that there are certain types of people or certain kinds of people or certain people that we've had bad attitudes about. It might be people who voted that way or people who do that thing. God, would you correct my attitude about that? And then Friday, pray to love others the way that God loves you. That sounds daring and bold, but it is the standard. You've prayed the Lord's Prayer probably most of your life. Our Father who art in heaven. And in that, you prayed, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. We are supposed to love and forgive the way that God has loved and forgiven us. We're supposed to do that. God, help me to love other people the way that you love me. Saturday, ask God to help you improve your serve. Here's a little secret. You want to elevate any relationship in your life your marriage, your relationship with your kids. You want to elevate your relationship as a boss with your employee. Elevate your serve. It's an immediate hack for elevating that relationship. God, we're not talking about tennis here either, okay? Elevate my serve. We're talking about the way we serve other people. God, would you help me to serve other people well? And then lastly, this is really important. Pray over other people's relationship with God. It blows my mind how many parents are praying over their kids' ball teams, who they get for their teacher at school or what school they might get into or what career path they're going to take, but they haven't once went to God and prayed, God, would you move in my child's life? I'm talking about getting right in front of the Lord and saying, God, I love these people and I want you to do something in their life. Would you bring my kid closer to you? Would you help my kid to really surrender their life? God, would you lead them into a place where they're more deeply devoted to you, where they experience you? Pray about somebody else's relationship with the Lord. And then as was mentioned in the video that we watched earlier, I am going to do some what we've called Let Me Help You Seminars. In the coming year, please just go ahead. And and if you're so inclined to go to one, they start at five. We provide food. It doesn't cost you anything. And they have almost always sold out. I mean, we don't charge you anything for them, but we have limited space. So if you're inclined to go to one, go ahead and get on the app. Register for it. February the 18th, we're doing Let Me Help You Pray. I've, I've sat down with so many people. I don't know how to pray. I feel overwhelmed with it. Does God even listen to me? How do I know if I'm praying the right way? We're going to spend the night talking about prayer, okay? Spend the night. It's going to be so helpful. So helpful. I mean, and it's, I mean, really going to bless your soul. I want you to be there. And then March the 10th, let me help you read your Bible. I love helping people learn to read their Bibles. It's a huge passion of mine. I love the Bible. If you didn't know, if you're around here for a little while, y'all gonna pick up on that, okay? We love the Bible around here. I, I want I want to help you read your Bible. So many people come to me. I don't know how to do this. I mean, am I supposed to start with Revelation and work backwards? I don't get it. What am I supposed? And, and that night we're gonna really just do a good summary of the Bible. I'm gonna give you several strategies to learn how to read the Bible. It's gonna be good. Don't miss it.
All right? Get registered if you feel inclined to do it. The space will go very quickly. Now, this series that we've been in, Encounter, okay? We're looking uniquely over the beginning of 1 Kings at the encounter that King Solomon has, three different encounters that he has with God. And this is, it's really powerful. We're in the second one today. All right, if you remember in the first one, he has this encounter, builds the temple. Now he has consecrated or dedicated the temple to God. And again, God comes to him. And what I'm going to invite you to do, would you stand all across the room as we read through the word of God, 1 Kings chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. The Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon, the Lord said to him, I have heard the prayer and plea that you have made before me. I've consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did and do all that I have commanded and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. But... If you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees that I have given you and go off and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them and I will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all the peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? And people will answer because they have forsaken the Lord their God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. May we pray together. Father, in this moment, as we reflect over the second time that you visited King Solomon, would you make your word clear to us today? And would you provoke within us the faith needed to both hear and respond? to what your Holy Spirit is saying to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak loud and clear. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. While you're taking a seat, touch your neighbor and say, that's pretty scary. Now look back at them and say, you want to know it's scary? Your breath is scary. I want to review the very first encounter that King Solomon had with God. He's just become king. He's called Israel together. They have worshipped. And then God comes to him in a dream and postures the question, what can I do for you? Ask anything. And Solomon asks for help governing. Can I just press pause there for a minute? God wants to help you. God wants to help you. I think there's so many times that we argue with ourselves, well, God wouldn't want to help me 
because of all that I've done, how I failed him, how I haven't been who he's wanted me to be. I know that I'm not right with God. Why would God want to help me? Can y'all listen to me for just a moment? You ever seen your kids choke? Knowing you're going to need to intervene and do something about a kid about to put a hand on a hot stove? Do you sit back and in the recesses of your mind think, have they done all their chores today? Have they been at school this week? You don't. You jump Because you love them, you jump in and help. God wants to help you. Why? Because He loves you. And it's not based on your performance, how good you've been. He just loves you. And God wants to help. He wants to be there. Solomon asks, God, would you help me? And God grants his request. Wisdom. He does something inside of Solomon's heart. And it transforms the outside. You remember God said, well, you didn't ask for wealth or for a long life, but I'll give you what you didn't ask for. Why? Because wisdom provoked the other things and it leads to a season of peace and prosperity and boy I told you this last week it's one of my favorite revelations out of reading through the story of Solomon is that God led him into a season of peace where he built the temple you will invariably we will go through seasons of peace and after you do that the way you've treated that peace will determine the level of peace you continue to live in Solomon used the peace to build the temple of God. We need to view a season of peace as an opportunity to build our relationship with God, not as something to co-opt for our own comfort or pleasure. Last week as we kind of kicked this off, we, we started with one of the most common characterizations of God in the Old Testament. What? That God is alive and present. He's not dead. He's not dormant. This is a this is a God that is alive and He's in this room and He's present with us and He wants something with us. He wants a relationship with us. But we come to see this every relationship needs an encounter. That's true for friendships. Sometimes you, you've been friends for a little while but you haven't hung out. You need an encounter. We need a golf weekend with the boys. We need a dinner date with the girls. We need to just get around and we need to see you. I need to hear you. We need to spend some time together. Marriage, right? You need an encounter for the marriage to be healthy. It looks a little bit different than it does in friendships, okay? Why? Because encounter changes us and deepens the relationship. It's a shared experience. We encounter each other, sometimes in the form in marriage and physical intimacy. Sometimes it's in that we walk through a season of suffering together. Deepens the relationship. It's true for our relationship with God. We need an encounter. We need that shared experience. It changes us. But we also need faithfulness. We need those two things. Those two things begin to formulate the way that a relationship works. So I'm going to make a few just relational observations as we get started. Number one, God is the initiator and sustainer of our relationship with Him. He starts it and He sustains it. In 1 Kings chapter 3, the Bible records that God came to Solomon at Gibeon. We read it again in 1 Kings chapter 9. Again, God came to him in the same way as He had done before at Gibeon. This is the God that we serve. 
A God that you don't have to be over there and figure it out all by yourself. Now, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to get in your life. I want to be around you. I want a relationship with you. Our God is alive and present. And you even see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus emerges in John chapter 1, begins his ministry, begins initiating that ministry with disciples. Look at this. This is so simple. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Those two words would change Philip's life. Follow me. It was an initiation, an invitation. It is Jesus who initiates our relationship with us. We love because He first loved us. The theological term here is election. And there are times that when election is taught, it is taught as it is reserved for only some of us, and we don't know who it is. But I love how even in just a small span of the Word of God, God can make some things clear. He certainly did choose Philip. He did go up to him, come follow me. But just a few verses earlier, John clarified, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's as if John was saying, no, he was the inviter, but only few said yes to the invitation. It starts with his invitation. But he's not only the initiator, he's also the sustainer. How is He also the sustainer? It's through His grace. God's grace given to us through Jesus Christ that empowers and sustains us. If you ever need to be encouraged, ever feeling a little down, just kind of doubting where you are in life, read Colossians chapter 1. It it contains the Pauline Christology, this amazing piece of writing that the Apostle Paul put together over a reflection on the character and nature of Jesus Christ. And one of my favorite things said about it is in the middle of that. He says in verse 17 that it is Jesus who holds it all together. He holds it all together. He holds your marriage together. He holds your business together. He holds your family together. He holds your heart together. He holds your future together. He holds this nation together. It is He who holds it all together. He initiates and sustains, so we're good, right? What do I have to do? Well, we have something to do, and that's number two. We must consistently choose to remain faithful to Him. Without faithfulness, there is no relationship. There is only encounter. And without relationship, we miss the benefits of that relationship. Solomon had built the temple for God. If you know the history of the kingdom of Israel, this is the precipice of the kingdom. This is the height of its glory. And God shows up And what we would never have imagined would happen and comes to see Solomon and demands for something more. I want more than what you've done, Solomon. 1 Kings 9, 4, look at what he said. We just read it. If you will walk before me faithfully with integrity. It's the beginning of an if-then statement. If you'll do this, If you'll be faithful to me, Solomon, I will establish your royal line forever. It's as if God was 
making this abundantly clear that God didn't just want a building. God wanted Solomon's heart. So many times we get to this point where we're just thinking, God, aren't you concerned with what I'm doing? God didn't want a building. He wanted more than a building. He wanted Solomon's heart. So God shows up and God gives the invitation, but we must respond. And can I just clarify for you, this is not a one-time response. I know where we live. There's so many people in our community that think they have a relationship with God because they went to church when they were six years old and they walked that aisle and they prayed that prayer and they looked at that pastor and that pastor said, you are saved and going to heaven now. It's like looking at somebody you've been married to for 30 years. They've been out drinking and partying for three days. They ain't come home. You have no idea where they are. And they show up and look at you, but don't you remember 30 years ago when I said yes? Listen, buddy, I didn't worry about that. I'm worried about what you're saying today. Are you saying yes today? It's an everyday surrender. This isn't news. Jesus taught this. Luke chapter 9, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is a formulaic statement. Whoever will deny himself. It's not about me anymore. It's not about my thoughts, my precepts, my way. It's not about what brings me joy, what sparks joy, what serves me. From now on, it's all about Jesus. And then take up your cross daily. Prophetically, even looking ahead for Jesus Christ. Yet to the cross saying, you will have to mirror my sacrifice every single day. This is why in Galatians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said, It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live in the power and the resurrection of the Son of God. For I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ is in me. I'm crucified with Him. So Jesus said, take up your cross. Is that once? No. That's every day. It's every day. I mean, we, we have to see. Sol, God shows up to Solomon. Listen, Solomon, it started good, but, but I want you to stay in it. Why? Can I give you a, just a few observations on, on what it means to stay in it? And this is the first one. Everybody wants a breakthrough, but few people stay through. Some of y'all are praying for a breakthrough you've already had before. And you look at your life, it's like you have a breakthrough and then you're back there. And then you have a breakthrough and then you're back. You're just constantly cycling through the need. I need, oh, I'm trying. A lot of people want a breakthrough, but few people experience it and then stay through. Think about Solomon. Solomon encountered God. I need wisdom. God imparted the wisdom and there's a breakthrough moment. And it's as if God is saying, Will you stay in it, Solomon? Will you stay in it? Think about this moment for Solomon. I mean, he's made treaties with all the neighboring kingdoms. He's amassed wealth. He's built the temple. He's built the palace. He's consecrated it to God. That's a lot of win. One of our greatest tests 
within our relationship with God can be how we manage our wins. Because if we're honest, some of us, we know we hit the trial, we hit the pain. Oh, I know I need the Lord. We're on our face. God, I lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know the way forward. God, would you help me? Would you open the door? And then all of a sudden, God shows up on your behalf. Door open. You get your dream job. And just wait a few months. You want to know what normally happens? You get a few months down the road, and you start looking. Look at my success. Look at what I earned. Look at all my money. How is it your money? When two months ago, you were praying to God for a job. And you accredited job, the job to God. God, you gave it to me. How is it yours? It's really not being able to handle a win. Because what happens in the moment is we started it with humility. God, I need you. But somehow in the middle of it, we migrate towards pride. Please hear me. What got you there needs to be what keeps you there. And there's a lot of us that started with humility. We started parenting with humility. We started our marriage with humility. We started our business with humility. We started our careers with humility. But somewhere along the line, it migrated to a sense of pride. Y'all listen to me. Choose humility. Humility is not listed as a fruit of the Spirit. It's a choice. You will always have to choose it. And you will either choose humility, and I say this quite a bit, this scares me, or you will choose humiliation. You want to know what the word humiliate means? It means to be made humble. Because the book of James reminds us that God opposes the proud. Pride invites the opposition of God. But He gives grace to the humble. A lot of us want to break through. But very few of us will stay through. So listen to this. Number two, the bigger blessing is in the staying. The bigger blessing is in the staying. Sure, when you start, there's a, there's a blessing. There is a blessing in starting. Solomon has experienced that. And it's very hard in this moment to accredit that all he has done is start. Wisdom, peace, build the temple. And it's as if God is saying, Solomon, in the middle of this wealth of success, will you stay humble? Will you stay in relationship with me? Some of y'all made a New Year's resolution. I'm going to get in shape this year. I'm going to lose however much weight. And you started eating real good and exercising. And those first few weeks, you dropped like three or four pounds. And it was so, you're so excited. And the next couple of weeks, you didn't lose any weight. Are you so mad? You know, I mean, just, I'm doing all the same things. Listen, if you really want change, you've got to stay in it. You've got to stay in it. Galatians 6, 9, I love this verse. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time. Who knows the proper time? Do I know it? No. Do you know it? No. But God knows it. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Well, I've always asked myself, why does this verse tell us to not grow weary? Why? Why not weary? It's real simple. Because you're going to feel like giving up. 
There's going to come a moment in your life, in your walk, in your endeavors that you are going to feel like giving up. You're going to feel like giving up in your marriage. You're going to feel like giving up on your career, on your job. You knew God called you to it. You knew God put that in your heart, but it's not easy right now. You're going to feel like giving up on some friendships. But listen to me. That verse makes this so clear. There's a harvest if you do not give up. Don't stop doing good. Don't stop. Over and over, the Bible encourages us not to give up, not to back down, not to walk away from it. Why? Because number three, look at this. If you won't stay in it, you'll forfeit what you've gained. You'll forfeit it. The harvest is on the other side of not quitting. You might be in a marriage situation right now where you're like, I feel like giving up. I feel like walking away. What I want you to hear is there's a harvest on the other side of not quitting. You might be in a job right now where you feel like it's not going good. I don't want to do it anymore. But you know God called you to it and God put you in it. There's a harvest on the other side of not quitting. You might be with your kids just at the end of your rope. I don't know what else to do. It feels so lost and broken. We've tried everything we know to do. Listen, there's a harvest on the other side if you won't quit. Solomon had gained a lot, but it was all at risk of being lost. Can I just, spoiler alert, he blows it. He absolutely blows it. The next chapter, 1 Kings chapter 10, Solomon starts co-opting the resources of the kingdom for his own comfort. He remodels the throne. He won't drink out of a cup that's not gold anymore. All of a sudden, what was essentially used for the purposes of God is now co-opted for His comfort. And this is the progression. It's there for all of us. What starts as moving towards comfort always migrates towards pleasure. And in the very next chapter, Solomon takes 700 wives and 300 concubines, a thousand women. Listen, I got one wife, and it's hard enough to keep up with her, okay? I mean, can you imagine the drama in a house filled with a thousand women? I can't imagine. And this is the smartest man that ever lived? But look what happened to him, 1 Kings 11, verse 4. Look at this. As Solomon grew old, His wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Maybe the saddest verse in the entire Bible. I'm reminded of what Jesus said earlier, right? That this isn't just a one-time moment that we have to, if we're going to go after Him, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and then follow Him. For whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it. But if you'll lose your life for His sake, then you'll find it. The very next thing that Jesus said in that passage is what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Solomon had gained the whole world. He had gained it all. And he lost himself. It all started for Solomon with an encounter with God where in humility he begged for God's help. 
And you see this in this tragedy that what starts with surrender must stay in surrender. Because at some moment, what Solomon had surrendered to God, he relinquished in that surrender. He had gained so much. So many wins in his life, but he was on the verge of losing it all. And God showed up to challenge Solomon. And I'm here today to challenge you to stay in it. What God has started, we know that there is fruit in it if we'll stay in it. If we won't give up on Him, there's a harvest on the other side of that trial, on the other side of that hardship. For some of you, I'm here to challenge you today because what started in surrender at some point, you picked it up. And it's no longer surrendered to God. That might be your marriage. It might be your heart. It might be your parenting. It might be your finances. And today... My challenge to you is that you do a very quick inventory and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because He is alive and He is present. And if you need to surrender it to Him, He's only one decision away. So we're going to pray together. And I believe in this moment there are some of us that need to surrender our marriages. We need to encounter God. God, I pray that you would encounter us in your marriage. But we need to surrender the marriage. We need to encounter God in our families. But we need to surrender our families. We need an encounter in our finances. We need to surrender our finances. Y'all listen to me. What started in surrender must stay. For some of you, it's your life. You have walked away from surrender to God. You might have started there. But somewhere along the line, you start doing whatever you want. And there's no way to have a relationship with God with you doing whatever you want. He's got to be Lord and Savior. Savior, I receive your work from the cross. You died for me. You paid the penalty for my sins. But Lord, is you're in charge. You call the shots. You tell me what to do. And y'all listen to me. He can't be your Savior if he's not your Lord. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.